Do you sometimes feel spiritually high and other times feel spiritually low? Welcome to the Transformative Duff. My name is Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Today we are on page four of Tractate Nadarim, and we learn that your soul is like a candle oscillating between heaven and earth. Welcome to the Transformative Duff, and thank you for being my Chavrissa today. I'd like to begin with a story. A man comes to the rabbi and asks him for instructions on how to build a kosher sukkah. The rabbi directs him to read a page of the Talmudic tractate of sukkah and follow the instructions. The man follows all the instructions and just as he puts up the last piece of schach on top of the sukkah, the whole thing collapses. Thinking he made a mistake, he rebuilds the sukkah with the same result. Frustrated, he goes back to the rabbi and explains what happened. The rabbi opens the page of the Talmud, studies it for a minute, and exclaims, Funny! Rashi asks the same question. Let's look at today's Gemara. You shall not delay in the case of Nazarite vows. Where do you find this? Once he said, I am here by a Nazir, he is a Nazir as of that moment. If he then ate grapes, he is liable for violating the prohibition, he shall not eat. Rabbi Yaakov said, one example would be if he made the vow of Nazirus whilst in a cemetery. Let's analyze today's Gemara. In the previous stuff, the question was posed as to how one could be guilty of delaying a vow of Nazirus. Rav Achabar Yaakov suggests that a possible scenario may be where one vowed to become a Nazir while standing in a cemetery. Since a Nazir may not come into contact with dead bodies, his Nazirus is delayed until he leaves the cemetery. Only once he has departed the impure environs does his vow take effect. Why would a person take an oath of spirituality in a cemetery? For starters, the acute awareness of our limited time on earth often spurs people on to clarity of purpose and mission. Sadly, for some it takes losing a loved one or being present at the funeral of a close friend to garner an awakening and a reassessment of what's truly important in life. In the case of this individual, we might posit that as he stood there listening to the eulogies, he was inspired to live a more spiritual life. While Naziris and other vows of abstinence are generally discouraged in Judaism, they are condoned in cases where a person feels that he needs to take an extreme position in order to get his habits back on track. For example, previously the fellow might have been a big drinker. Only by taking a vow to become a teetotaler can he rest assured that he will not fall to his previous depths of depravity. Another possible reason for the cemetery as the source of his Nazarite awakening is that a cemetery is a place of lifelessness. The reason a person becomes ritually impure in a cemetery is due to the lack of soul in the place. Ritual impurity takes place in any situation where the divine presence was removed. Previously, all these bodies that are buried in the cemetery contain souls. When a soul is removed, the void left behind creates a spirit of impurity. That's why one senses a certain feeling of coldness in the cemetery. That coldness is the withdrawal of the divine energy. It's that feeling of lifelessness that may spur a person to adopt a vow of Nazirus. At that moment, he feels distant from his spiritual source of life and resolves to go above and beyond to reconnect with his spirituality. While a cemetery is the most extreme example of a place of lifelessness, the feeling that comes as a result of the withdrawal of the divine can occur to anyone, anytime. Sometimes you feel spiritually alive. Other times you feel spiritually distant. The key 
is to grasp onto those moments of spiritual inspiration and carry them through the tough times. And when you do feel spiritually low, just like the fellow who vowed to become a Nazar in the cemetery, you need to work twice as hard to overcome those feelings of hopelessness and the temptation to embrace the lifelessness. What are we talking about? Do you love Yiddishkeit? Of course you do. Do you love Shabbos? Of course you do. You love going to shul and seeing friends you haven't seen all week. You love the joy of the davening. You love coming home and blessing your children, singing Shalom Aleichem, spending time with the family over a delicious meal. You love the energy of each different festival, packing and delivering mishloach manas, making a Pesach Seder, building a sukkah. It's all so exciting. But then you wake up one Shabbos morning and you just can't be bothered. Do you really have to go to shul this morning? Sit through a couple of hours of it? Maybe you'll just stay home and read a book. But even that seems like a drag. I mean, how long can you read for already? There's still another 10 hours of Shabbos to go. You know what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes you feel like jumping out of bed to go to shul. Other days you feel so heavy that it's an effort just to get out of bed, let alone go to Minyan. It's those times when you're in the spiritual cemetery when you need to redouble your efforts to draw down the divine flow of energy into your life. The Kabbalists call this oscillation in your spiritual fervor Ratzover Shov. King Solomon writes, The soul of man is the candle of God. A candle's flame is trying constantly to soar heavenward, but held down by the connection of the wick, which keeps it tangibly connected to this physical world. You can vividly see the struggle as the flame flickers up and down. Likewise, our souls are constantly oscillating as they strive to connect with their heavenly source and are pulled back into this world. What's the first thing we do after Yom Kippur? We eat, of course. And then? Well, immediately following the holiest day of the year, most of us feel one of two extremes. Either we're completely wiped out after a long day in shul, or we're pumped from the spiritual high we've been on all day. For those in the first category, we can regain a little strength by eating. For those in the latter category, the moment we start eating, we start to feel weighed down by the physicality of this world. So what do we do next? Our sages teach that it's a mitzvah to build the sukkah on Matzah Yom Kippur. Why? If you're one of those who's wiped out after Yom Kippur, it's important that you double down on your commitment to spirituality and go the extra mile by building the sukkah right when you're feeling your spiritual low. If you're one of those on a spiritual high, it's easy to see how quickly and easily you can lose that feeling. A couple of slices of challah and you're back to your normal self. The mitzvah to build the sukkah ensures that you continue on your spiritual high. Your connection to the divine flow of energy is like alternating current. Sometimes you feel like you're on, sometimes you feel like you're off. May you grab onto those moments of divine closeness and utilize them to carry you through the spiritually distant times, wishing you a transformative day. Thank you for tuning into the Transformative Duff Podcast with Rabbi Daniel Friedman. Whether you've been doing Duff Yomi for years or you're not quite ready to commit but want to be part of the Duff Yomi global movement, there's something in the Transformative Duff for everyone. It's about joining the conversation. It's about talking over the duff with your family, your friends, your colleagues. It means never being short of a discussion starter or a meaningful Dvar Torah. Every page of the Gemara, every word, every letter contains the secrets of the universe. To achieving a life of simcha and purpose, transform your life today. 
The Transformative Daf is published by Mosaica Press and available at all good Jewish bookstores and online from mosaicapress.com. Thank you, The Transformative Daf.